0: Hello and welcome to the Tutor Empire podcast, where we help you transform your passion for education into a sustainable income. I'm your host, Alexander Friedman, the owner of Brooklyn Math Tutors, a math and science focused tutoring agency in New York City. Joining me is my co host, Nathaniel Dahlquist, the owner and head tutor at Grove Prep. Nathaniel is a fancy Yale grad and helps students get into fancy colleges. Good morning, Nathaniel. Good morning, Alex. All right, folks, for those of you who don't know us, neither Nathaniel nor I have a background in business, business, and both of us got into tutoring because of a genuine desire to help people. This means that we spent a lot of time being broke. So in this podcast, we're going to talk about the business side of private tutoring, about the mistakes we made, and about how to not be broke as a private tutor. And specifically in this episode, we will talk about spending money or perhaps not spending money and how to avoid Wasting cash when you're starting out and have no idea what you're doing as a small or even tiny micro business owner. Indeed. Or even if you
1: are a mid-level business owner trying to expand your business and what what qualifies as good investments versus things that maybe you don't want to spend money on. OK, so what, what I the story I want to tell you guys is the reason that we came up with this episode is because Alex and I were literally but a moment ago having a conversation in which I was genuinely asking him. Uh, it's currently the middle of August. So, you know, for all, as all tutors know, uh, August is one of the most cash poor months because it's the end of the summer. Uh, school hasn't really gotten into full swing yet or not even started yet in the case of the East Coast. And so it's, it's a time when we have a lot of free time, perhaps, but maybe not a lot of cash lying around. And one of my goals for this academic year has been to really upgrade my workspace because I have, you know, I love my laptop. I have worked on it for ages. It totally works for me. I got a touchscreen on it so that I can do math and like have a little whiteboard and stuff. But alas, uh i it's not really doing it for me anymore and i wanted a little bit more horsepower so i was asking alex do you think xyz computer things you know a new you know big big cpu a new big monitor a keyboard all of this stuff is this a good investment for me to make right now when there's a sale down the block that i can go maybe save 500 dollars on or should i wait until i'm more flush with cash To do this is that is upgrading my workstation actually just a luxury that i want but don't necessarily need so that's how we came to this topic today we got talking about it we were like wait we should just tell people about this and have this conversation on the air instead (laughs) uh that's kind of that's kind of where we're at and so i'm gonna ask alex some questions that came up while we were talking about this so mr friedman yes sir what would you say qualifies as a good investment
0: Yeah. So before the episode, you said, oh, it's something that makes you money. I said, oh, isn't that it? But no, a good investment is something that saves you money down the line or makes you money down the line. Or more importantly, and this is the one that I think most tutors have the hardest time with, saves you time. Because if you are a tutor and you don't see yourself as a business owner, you're probably not used to thinking of things in terms of valuing your time. And I've been so guilty of this myself. I've, there's been so many times I didn't spend money and then instead spent a lot of time. And as you get older, you're going to see, oh, I don't have an infinite amount of time. And I actually have to value the time that I have. So if an investment, if spending some money now saves you time later, it's making you money later because you're going to be able to spend that time on something hopefully more valuable. Wow. Yes. I I think when I was starting out, especially when
1: I was starting out and now I'm still working through this mindset to me. It was only a good investment if I could see really concrete ways that it was going to like, help me or make me money. Specifically, make me money. Now I also see things that either increase my ethos... Or increase my professionalism, or allow me to provide a better service as a good investment, and then that is reflected in the prices of the prices of the service that I am rendering. So you know, you provide a better service, you can charge more, and so that's that's kind of a different game. Uh, what would you say qualifies as a bad investment?
0: A bad investment is something that that you get for the wrong reasons. So I'll I'll uh, this may be a question we'll talk about later, but. Uh, I was thinking of like, what are the bad investments I made? Or, and specifically, what are the bad investments I almost made? And I almost decided to get a lease on an office before Corona hit. Oof. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> and I was, I, the reason I was thinking about it was like, well, you know, if I want to be taken seriously, if I want my, my company to be taken seriously, we should have some kind of physical location. And... Bam, the world changed and now nobody, people care even less if you have physical location, they only really care if you're delivering the service. So if you're investing money, and you don't really know how this is going to help you, or it's like, well, maybe people will think of me this way. You know, that's the same line thinking it's like, oh, I have to have an expensive car if I'm a real estate agent. Trying to like look a certain way, I have to present myself a certain way. I'm trying to like manage people's expectations. or sorry, manage people's perceptions of me. So I think anything like that is a bad investment. I mean, you might say like, well, if I'm buying a suit to look good, that's one. That's not bad. But if I'm buying a suit to look good because I'm insecure, maybe that's not the that's not the right reason to uh, to spend money. The other type of bad investment I would say is when you don't really know what the hell you're getting into. Um, I mentioned before advertising. Uh, marketing. And if you don't know much about marketing and some company calls you up and they're like, Hey, we're going to do this for you. Just give it's like $2,000 a month. It's $1,000 a month. And you have to understand that like, you won't necessarily see the results. Uh, And and so it may or may not be a good investment. And you're going to have a hard time finding out until you try it.
1: As someone who, for the record, I don't qualify this as a total loss because I learned a lot. But I did that exact thing. I hired a marketing agency. They made me some Facebook ads. This was long ago and for a different company that I ran. And they they ran the Facebook ads and they built the funnels and they gave me the data. And I was like, okay, great. And their services lasted like three months. And I worked with them really closely for three months. And then at the end, I couldn't... My business wasn't making enough money to continue to pay them basically it was like not gonna work so it was i don't think that i wasted that time because i really learned a valuable lesson but you know i definitely could have spent that couple grand somewhere else well you won't do that again that's for sure i most surely will not i will not do it again um is it true that you have to spend money to
0: make money people throw that around a lot is that true uh ultimately kind of yes You you have to put in some kind of resources in order to make money And one of the resources that people seem to have an easy time putting in, people who are not, don't have the business mindset, is they're willing to hustle. They're willing to put in their own time and energy. But there's a lot of things that you just can't buy with your time and energy. And so you need to put in money to create systems. So, for example, we have our tutoring portals and it costs us some fixed amount. And if I look back, I probably spent like thousands of dollars over a couple of years. But the amount of time and money, you know, because of time that I've saved is just astronomical. So if you're trying to make money without spending money... It's going to be very, very difficult because, because there are just things that you need that you cannot get with your time. Like you're losing on major efficiencies. And I think that's only if you're talking about like a service, right? Like if you're trying to sell a product, well, guess what? You have to spend some money to make some money. You can't just like make the product out of nothing.
1: Yeah. What would you say about the difference between like large ticket items versus maybe smaller uh, monthly payments or things? So, like, A $2,000 computer, that's a one-time purchase that will last for years versus like paying for a Zoom subscription that's every month or once a year, paying for automatic invoicing software or scheduling software, uh, any of that stuff. What do you think is the difference between those things investment-wise?
0: I'm not sure there's really a difference. I think it's more like how we perceive it psychologically. Like Maybe a big ticket item seems scarier because you're paying for it all up front, um, and that, that's why companies like Zoom and et cetera, they, they would prefer to charge you monthly because they're kind of hiding the total cost from you by doing that. But ultimately, uh, when you're in business and you buy an asset, you tend to think of it as how much is this actually costing me monthly? Like even if it costs you $2,000 a print, okay, but if you're have if you're going to use it for like four years like that. That's not a lot of money. We can do the math, but I'm, but it's not going to be much more than your zoom subscription. It's going to be the same thing. And it's going to make a massive difference in the efficiency of your work and the amount of stress that you have while trying to do some of it. Nice.
1: What were the most important investments to you when you were starting out? Oh man. Like if you look back, you're like, Oh wow. I'm so
0: glad that I bought X Y Z. Uh website, like buying a domain name. I, 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 this seems so absurd looking back and like I cannot believe I used to think this way but like spending money a domain name I'm like do I really want to spend this $20 like that's how I used to think so for anyone listening who like thinks that I'm I'm like oh you're you're a business person I'm not like no 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 like we all start out with this mindset but at least most of us if we don't happen to be around like entrepreneur parents which, which I certainly wasn't I'm like should I really spend this $20 I used to spend like days weeks months like agonizing over what turned out to be very very small purchases so building a website, like, okay, so $20 for the domain, you know, like $20 a month, it was even cheaper than like for some kind of hosting service. I invested a bunch of my time into building a, a good website because I didn't really know who to pay at that time. But uh, that that's also an investment. Actually, Daniel, we, we also invested a bunch of money into building your website. What, what do you think about that? That's true. So I, I have a soft spot in my heart for uh,
1: investments or projects that I put a lot of work into one time and then they continue to live on. <laughs> so a website, for example, was an easy sell for me because I was like, Oh, I'm going to spend, how long do we spend two or three months? Maybe Yep, something like that working quite hard. And I mean, like I put some hours in, I wrote a lot of content. We had our web designer was a, a total gem. She was the best. And at the end, we finish the website. And of course, there are updates to be made. Of course, if I hire a new tutor, I have to put them on there. Or if you know we add a service or there's something else I want to say or post another blog thing. Of course, there are other things to add. But that website just gets to live on the Internet. And that means that people can find me while I'm asleep.
0: Yeah. And uh, something interesting, you know, when we made Nathaniel's website, we spent some money. I wouldn't even say a lot of money, but we spent some money to hire web designer. When I made my website, I was not in that mindset. This was quite a long time ago. And I spent so, so much more time. I spent months and months and months trying to get it right. And like two months of working with designer and Nathaniel's website is like more done and looks better and looks more professional. So like, did I really save anything by trying to do it all myself? Like ultimately, no, I just didn't have the the knowledge and I guess the courage to like properly invest. I didn't know who to ask. I didn't know what to ask for, but ultimately like us spending that money saved us a massive amount of time and we got a, a fantastic result from doing it. And now when when you send your website to people how do they react? Oh they love it. They're like, "Oh my gosh, you're like real."
1: <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, but you know what? In New York City, I didn't have a tutoring website for 5 years. And more, longer, honestly, and I it was all word of mouth stuff and like that's that was fine. I you know, was able to eat and pay the rent doing that, but I confess that the one of the greatest things the website has given me, is this sense of like legitimacy. <laughs> I've always been legitimate, but when you have a little a shingle outside, you know, your little marketplace, uh, there's a, it, it helps a lot. And I, I really love that website and I worked really hard on it. So I, I'm very proud of it and I love sending it to people. So that's another thing is because I worked hard on it at the beginning and didn't just sort of like slap some stuff together and throw it on the internet because we worked hard on it. We got it. Right. The first time, I mean, like, obviously, like I said, improvements always to be made, but we basically did the big thing the first time so that there's not a lot of work required down the road. And I feel the same way about other electronic resources like blog posts that I write, podcasts that I make, things that are gonna live on the internet, videos, et cetera, things that are gonna live on the internet and that people can find whenever they want and exist independently from me because they're they're there for whoever wants them.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I've written articles ten years ago that are still getting search traffic on, on my website from Google that I don't even remember writing them. I don't I don't know who i even was at that time but people are still finding it and we're still getting like most of our traffic from search and uh, optimization wow
1: are they have you reread them recently or are they still uh, i'm i'm a little <laughs>
0: a little hesitant to do so i'm gonna be like what the hell what was i thinking oh
1: man that's funny um any other investments that you made starting out that you you're just like oh man that was really great or something you wish you had done
0: um, basically everything I'm doing now, I wish I had done earlier. It's always like that. Like, had I only known, like, for example, like using professional tutoring software was, was like such a huge time saver. So there was a time. So I'll, I'll tell folks how we do our tutor matching process. Uh, so when a parent calls us, they say, Hey, here's a situation, want to tutor. And what we do is we send out an email to, uh, you know, the tutors who are, who we might think might be a good fit. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they are. And then those tutors write back, and then we we'll put together an email for the parents. To say, here's like three tutors. Here are their bios. Here's what they said. And we used to do this manually. We used to this manually we would manually email five people the same thing, and we would manually then construct this email. And we would be spending hours every day on this administrative stuff. And then eventually, uh, we started using Tutor Cruncher, And then I wrote. Some custom software for it. Now, if you're not a programmer, you wouldn't be able to do it, but you would be able to pay someone to do it. It wasn't actually that hard once I knew what I wanted. And I went from spending hours in this process to spending like minutes, like literally f- like, like putting together my inbox clogged with these, like, Hey, Jenny, here's a student. Are you interested? Hey, Johnny, here's a student. Are you interested? And like, yes, no, like just having this entire nightmare to this fully automated system. It, I, I like literally three hours every day. They're just not like just gone three hours, three hours every day. Well, I still enter all of mine manually and send those emails manually
1: because we have not I have not gotten to adopt that system yet. It's high on the list. But also my there's not quite enough volume for me to need three hours a day to do that. As soon as it becomes a pain point, I would be like, it's time to erase this. It's, it's time to find a way to fix this problem, because what I found is that I a lot of problems don't get fixed until they become intolerable, basically. And so finding way, knowing that something is going to become awful or intolerable and heading it off early, like just like, like nipping it in the bud and creating a system around it before it becomes an issue, that sounds
0: like a great time investment to me. So here's something interesting. I've noticed that um, a lot of tutors have a very high tolerance to frustration. And I think this is not a positive trade at all. Um, there's this there's this business guy Alex Hormozzi, and he said something like the most intolerant person should be like at the top of the company because if you're tolerant, and of course we're not talking about you know, <laughs> negative kind of intolerance, we're talking about being intolerant towards frustration and problems and issues. And what I notice a lot of people do, they just accept. They're like, well, you know what? I have to I have to put together all these emails by hand. I have to do this. And what I found is that. Almost nothing is like that. There's almost nothing that's frustrating in the business world that actually has to remain there. Like even certain kinds of client interactions, like, like, uh, you know, I used to chase down customers for, for payment and it was such a pain in the ass and it was very frustrating. And I was like, there's no way to change this, right? Wrong. Like you set up automated billing, you get their credit cards on file, and then you go from chasing down like five clients every month to one client every three months. And that's just a completely, completely different game. So if you're listening to this, like start lowering your tolerance towards frustration, because any time you spend being frustrated and any energy you spend that's creating that frustration could be better used to building your business. Or if you're not even thinking of yourself as a business owner, could be used to serving more clients more effectively and, and also happier, happierly, more happily, more happily. Oh,
1: my gosh. Yeah, that that really resonates with me, because what I found is that the as so, it, it My life just gets so much better. It gets so much better. And usually the thing that I was like, I just have to do it this way. It's frustrating, but I have to do it. Usually that thing was actually worse than I thought. Usually it was more frustrating than I thought. It was taking more energy than I thought. And it was annoying me and like adding, you got to take out the negative things in your life, you know, like that. I didn't like chasing people down for money. And the second that I incorporated automatic billing, I was like, oh, man, and now I don't have to do that. That's so great. I didn't realize
0: how much that stressed me out. I think you said something very, very important right now. Um, there's a quote by Nicholas Taleb or something. but Basically, like, like, what is health? Health is like the absence of sickness. And if you think about what is a good life, it's the absence of bad things. And I think the same goes for for business. It's not that you want to add stuff to your business, right? If you still have things that are, that are miserable in it. You're going to be miserable. But if you can take out most of the frustrations, like imagine whatever your situation is now and think of all the frustrations you have. And imagine like what would be like if every single frustration just was gone. That sounds like a good life and a good business to me. Wow, I love that. I've got another question for
1: you here, which is, let's say that I'm thinking of investing in something that I hope will save me time or money or whatever. And I think that I really need it. Do you, do you have any advice or any questions that I, that a person could ask themselves to make sure they actually need something or is it just a want or is it like not that big of a deal?
0: Oh man, that, that is a tough one. I think this would really depend on the situation. Like how do you tell if you need or want something? Like for example, do you need that computer or do you want that computer? Like you definitely want the computer. Um, but do you need it? And like, maybe ultimately you could get away without it, but how much time and frustration and energy would it, would, it, would it save you? So I think just coming up with a rubric here, like, can you really pinpoint if you're hoping it'll save you time? I don't know if that's good, but if you know it's gonna save you time, you can say, all right, I work in this computer like 10 hours a day. If it's even 10% better, I've just saved one hour of time every day. It's probably going to be more than 10% better. I mean, there's like studies out there that if you get like a second monitor or a big monitor versus like a small monitor, that saves you, like increases your efficiency, like 23%. I mean that maybe that's, it sounds like, how do you measure that? But you can measure like how much time do you spend? Like, like looking through a tiny screen, like, you know, that if you're on a phone, you cannot possibly work on your phone. You technically could like, you could write everything on the phone. You could make videos on the phone. You could edit on the phone, but you know, that it would be incredibly unpleasant. Well, like, there's a specific amount of time you're saving by having a computer and, and a specific amount of time that you'll be saving by having a good computer versus one that like is barely sufficient to your needs. Uh, but there's also like a law of diminishing returns. Like if you, spend, you know twice as much, I don't think you'd get any benefit from that. So you have to think about like, how much am I getting and how much is it really better than what I currently have? Uh, I'm going to confess that I'm like a perfectionist. And sometimes I spend money on things that like, don't meaningfully improve the product at all. Like I'm recording this podcast in a very expensive microphone using a obscenely expensive video camera that has adds, I think zero value to this podcast, honestly. But like, I like having like the best stuff. And part of that is like, you know, my intolerance towards things that are, maybe aren't, you know, like that have some kind of negatives, but you should also be thinking like, is this a negative for my client or is it like my personal issue? Like I like having the best audio, but then when I listen to the podcast, like unless they're professionally produced, most of them sound awful. Most of them sound like someone recorded it on their phone. So let that be like another, another metric in your rubric. Like, is this a meaningful difference or is it like a very, very small incremental difference? And if it's only small and incremental, Odds are there's other things you can make a meaningful improvement in first than whatever it is you're thinking about.
1: Nice. I've got a really specific example for all our listeners out there. So here, here's an example of a reason I, I need very much this computer uh, because I've got this laptop that I am recording this on right now is currently sitting atop a stack of not one, not two, but six cookbooks. In order to like be the right height for me because I'm a tall person sitting at a pretty short desk. So every single time that I have a meeting on this computer, I have to get these cookbooks out, put them under my computer, balance the computer on top. I can hear you cringing right now. Um, (laughs) Balance the computer on top. And then when it's done, put everything away so the computer doesn't fall off. I would love to not do that anymore. And so even though the computer is expensive, one of the things it's going to give me that might seem really small, but that is actually something that means a lot to me is that I won't have to do this stupid task of putting my these cookbooks up and down, up and down, up and down. Like that sounds great to me (laughs) to not have to do that. And it's worth it for me.
0: Yeah. Anything that takes your time on an ongoing basis, like think about do I want to do this every day of my life forever? And if the answer is no, then then get and, and if you can get rid of it by paying some money, that's very likely to be a good investment. Now there's some things that you can't get rid of, like if you're providing a service, someone is going to have to provide it. But if you're doing like annoying things like writing tons of the same email to somebody, you can get rid of that. So like really work on Uh, You know, usually people talk about increasing our frustration tolerance. Let's decrease our frustration tolerance towards meaningless tasks that can be automated or just gotten rid of uh, entirely. Nice. Anything else you want to add, Alex? We've talked a lot about like
1: all of these um, all of these investments any, any reaction to our little title here. That's too expensive.
0: Yeah. Like I, it, it both pisses me off, but also like takes me back to a time where I had that mindset, you know, coming from like an immigrant family. It's like, no, I don't want to spend money on this. I I, I don't want to, I don't want to pay for this. I should be able to just like go along, you know, get along without it. I totally sympathize, you know, with, with whoever's listening If you feel that way, but if you really want to be successful, I don't mean like, you know, be a multimillionaire. I mean, just have like a good company and provide a good service. You really have to change your mindset away from that mentality of I have a fixed amount of money and I have to not spend it towards how do I spend my limited resources most effectively? And we've we've harped on this before, but like one of the things we, we hear a lot online is like, should I pay for Zoom? Should I pay for Zoom? We did a whole episode on this. But that's like, what of the, the obvious, ones. It's so obvious uh, at this point, and I think maybe 10 years ago, i had been like, oh, I don't know, is there a free alternative? And then you think, well, there is a free alternative, like you can use free Zoom, and then every single time you have a session, you have to log off and log back on. Every single time you have a session, you have to like frustrate your customer just a little bit. Is, is $9 a month really, really worth it? Nathaniel, I think you mentioned something, we don't have a lot of time left, but uh, something about like do, the cost of doing something versus not doing something. Oh, yes, this concept changed my life. The cost of
1: doing something is often less than the cost of not doing it. So, for example, the cost of getting this computer that's going to cost me like two grand or something is less than the cost of all of the frustration I'm going to have, all of the me wishing I had the computer, but I don't. And also, like, I'm going to have to get the computer anyway when the current one dies eventually. So that's a way that I measure things sometimes. Is the cost of doing this more, less than or equal to the cost of not doing it? So, for example, the cost of like the cost of me getting my business out there, whatever form of marketing I'm using Like, yeah, that cost me something. But if I don't do that, I won't reach as many customers. So not marketing is costing me more money than marketing, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a very, very good metric as well. Ultimately, if you're wondering if something is too expensive or not, and you just feel like spending money is a negative thing, you really have to work on your mindset uh, as a tutor to, to realize that. The amount of money you make in the future is not fixed. The better you do things, the more money you make. And so if you invest money, if you put in money, it doesn't mean that you just have less. It means that you that you will eventually, hopefully, if you invest in the right way, have more money down the line. And that's a very, very different mindset from being an employee where no matter what you do, you know, you're going to make the same amount. So uh, the takeaway from this, all of this is is what? Like, spend money intelligently and, like, get in the habit of spending money, but but only intelligently. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I love that. Sounds good to me. That sounds hard to do. Sounds like discipline to me. Oh, yeah. Well, we can, we can talk about that a different day once I discover some discipline. All right, folks. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. If you have any question about what we talked about today, we'd love to hear them. There's an email address in the show notes. If there's anything you'd like for us to discuss in this podcast, please send those ideas to us as well as we want to provide information that you will find useful. Thank you so much and we'll see you next time.